Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, just head over to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP6. And remember, Squarespace is now offering free domain registrations with annual plan subscriptions. This week on TWIP, photography news from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, Canon announces new lenses, including a $200 40mm pancake lens, Leica releases a $50,000 limited edition camera, and we have a feature discussion on whether it's better to specialize or generalize. It's Wednesday, June 13th, 2012, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we've got some special voices. We've got Mr. Derek Story, Mr. Dan Ablin, and Miss Nicole Young. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Fantastic. Hello. All right. Who hasn't been on the show recently? I think it's Dan. Dan, I think you might have the, the honor of being the one that has been on the show recently. What have you been up to? Oh, um, I've been doing uh, a lot of high school senior portraits at our studio, and um, I was teaching a lot on the road. I was uh, down at uh, NASA Kennedy Space Center doing some 3D mm-hmm. training, and uh, next week I'm teaching at Notre Dame University, and um, July I'm on the road again teaching some Photoshop, so that mixed with 3D animation and trying to get some downtime, that's, uh, that's what I've been up to. Wow, that's, I think that's enough, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that. Maybe, maybe in a different show, I want to talk about your your senior portrait business and how that goes and how you market that. And absolutely, I know yeah. things have changed over the past. I don't know, say five years or so, and how you know what what kids want or you know these young adults want. I want to I want to understand better how you reach them from a marketing standpoint, you got and it. give them what they yeah. want. So yeah, we'll we'll table that. and We'll talk about that later. But also on the show is Miss Nicole Young. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Frederick. What's going on in your world? Oh, a little bit of the same, a little bit of new stuff happening. I've, um, but still all the same, really. I've just been writing. I finished an ebook that should be out in a few months. Oh, sweet. Is that uh, with who is that? Is that Craft? That's with Craft, Craft and Vision. Okay. And I'm actually in the process, kind of slowly writing another one for uh, Trey Ratcliffe's ebook company, Flatbooks. Yeah, very cool. And I am, and then I'm going to be writing another book with Peach Pit very, very soon. Um, on on one software, it's called Plugin with On One. So that'll be out later this year. I need that book. Is that going to be yeah. like a tutorial on how to yeah. use the different, the, in like just use cases or? Yeah, how's it gonna it's go? gonna, you know, it's going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be everything. I don't. It's not going to be a manual. You know, like mm-hmm. a what everything does. It's not a missing thing. manual series. No, <laughs> it's going to be. It's, it's going to be how to use the software. You know, I'm going to go through all of the different products that they have, and then you know talk about all of the little things, and then go through maybe three or four photos for each product. And now is that going to be a physical book or is that going to be like an iBook or, or oh, it's gonna, well, uh, it's with peach pit. So everything is basically, well, not everything, but the stuff that I do with them is all going to be print based. And then they also have eBooks and ePubs for, um, I'm pretty, all of my books are that way. So I'm assuming that that's how 
the yeah, my too. textbook's going to be. So. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like something like that would be like a good target for even when you're demonstrating software to show like you're in the book and you're reading about your recipe for doing a certain kind of technique and then you click a button and actually see you doing it in Photoshop. That would be. That'd be and, that's a great idea though for any kind of like Photoshop, you know, future generation of books. Mm-hmm. I think the only like from from my perspective, it's um, because right now, you know, that's difficult to I don't know how to do that stuff in yeah. iBooks, you know, but and iBooks is really the only platform that I'm familiar with yeah. as far as a user experience. So getting into actually making it, you know, you're kind of limiting your audience to put all that energy into Right, yeah. One. Yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah, I so. hear you. Yeah, but then you could you could always find somebody to learn you how to do that. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the other voice that you hear back there is Mr. Derek Story of the Digital Story. Hey Derek. Frederick, how are you today? I'm doing really good. You know, good. I'm, I'm doing. I'm happy. I'm happy and sad today. I'm happy that we are doing the show. Of course, I always enjoy this, but mm-hmm. I'm sad that we're not on Google Plus doing the show. But then I'm also happy that we're not on Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as I was telling you earlier, I just came in from a shoot, so I'm you know I'm I'm looking pretty pretty weather beaten right now. So nice. maybe it's a good thing we're not on. You just tied up your horse outside and yeah yeah. yeah actually, we were uh, out at the Olympic Club today. For the oh, US nice. Open. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I was there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I was there with uh, Frank and Suzanne from Low Pro, and we were uh, shooting all day, and it was it was wonderful. It was fantastic. Very cool. Such a, such a beautiful place. It is. It is. It's beautiful. I love it. I have to, I'll have to tell you about my my Olympic Club story and my. Celebrity. Oh, you got you got an Olympic Club story. My yeah. celebrity sighting out there. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them running around. You know. I know. I know. So we got out there real early when uh, all the fog was in the. And the trees and everything. It was really special. Nice. Nice. So that's it. So what else What else have you been working on? Don't you have a workshop coming up soon? Yeah. I, we just finished one uh, where we were shooting at uh, Infinian Raceway. And oh, that yeah. was a blast. And then the one that's coming up is uh, the it's the Sonoma Coast workshop. And... I, guess I want to know when the barbecue is. That's, all, yeah, that's the only important well, thing. The, the barbecue's sold out. So oh, that barbecue's You think right, that's going to stop me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah the, the barbecue I'm getting ready for now. But the, the Sonoma Coast, I uh, actually set up a field station. We're going to have a field station, too, uh, with the Vanagon. It's going to be out uh, on a dune campsite. And that's where we're going to – that'll be our field station during the day. And then, you know, do our classroom work at a Bodega Bay Lodge. I love that and, stuff. And then go up and down the, the coast for two days. It's it's really going to be cool. That really. is cool. I mean, Derry, that's another show we got to talk about, just how you were able to – I mean, you're like one of those photographers, I think, that all you guys actually have, like, structured – You've built your own reality and you're powering it. <laughs> it's, it's like it's just you, called survival. Yeah, well, <laughs> but still, you're doing it well. I mean, you're like you built this thing that you love doing, and you—that's what you do every day. And you you inspire thousands of people. It's just awesome. I love it. That's the key, though—the the love what you're doing part. You know, so yeah. you don't create uh, jobs for yourself or take jobs. We're probably going to talk about that later. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you don't like. You know, so it's, uh, then you get a lot more tired for some reason. It's the darndest thing. I I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's let's jump into the news. Uh, the big thing this week in photo um, is Apple, of course. Finally, Apple is in the you know in the news yeah. from a photography standpoint from some, for something to talk about. Um, but the one-two punch from a photography standpoint, it's the uh, the Retina display addition to the MacBook Pro line, and then the update to Aperture. Which I wish Joseph Lenaski was on here too. That'd be a good 
like you know sort of mix of all you guys in there so derek i want to throw it to you first you know you you are you train on aperture and you got one foot in the aperture camp the other foot in the lightroom camp you know about the software is this a good update this is a great update and in fact uh, I just got back, you know, as I said, from the Olympic Club. So I had all these 5D Mark II file, RAW files that I just loaded into Aperture, the new version, the you know, that's just out. Mm-hmm. And it it was unlike any experience I'd ever had before on Aperture. It was uh, they truly uh, got to the bottom of a few things with this. With no, the, let's dig into that though. What, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Does it mean they? Because was it sluggish before? Now it's not. Is it? Yeah. Are, yeah, we, are I mean, we talking? This is a fix, or is this? An evolution. Uh, well, this particular part I'm talking about is really a fix, in okay. my opinion. They're, they, uh, what they finally figured out how to do was uh, tap the, those embedded JPEG previews that are in the RAW files, yeah, and maximize uh, you know how they show up on your screen. So what happens now is as the files are uploading, and you know, like on a shoot like today, it's going to take a while, right, for all those files to come in. Sure. Uh, I actually started rating. Uh, looking at images full screen that look good, uh, weren't pixelated, no spinning beach balls. And this is on a 2008 MacBook Pro mm. that I, I that I souped up a little bit with a solid-state drive. But it's on a 2008 MacBook Pro. So now anyone that uses uh, Aperture a lot, they hear these key phrases, 2008 machine, uh, raw files from a 5D Mark II, no spinning beach ball. They go, wait, one of those is wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today uh, uh, it wasn't. And that, this is the second shoot I've uploaded since the update. Okay, so give me give me the the rest of it. So it's the, they've nailed the use the JPEG preview thing. So performance yeah. has improved. What else? Shared a library for iPhoto and Aperture. Now that's killer. I saw that. That this is, is huge. that's killer. This is really huge. And now, I haven't had a chance to dig as deep into that, but what is, it's going to do two things. It's going to solve a big problem for people that wanting to make the transition, right, which is totally in Apple's best interest uh, for that to happen. But then it also allows those of us that like to use both apps for different things, the flexibility just to flop back and forth uh, between them. And uh, it's very seamless, uh, very well done. And I think a byproduct of what happened was when they worked on that, uh, they fixed uh, some of the underpinnings in the code there because the whole thing just seems to run smoother anyway. Mm-hmm. And that may have been one of the good things that came out of creating the, the shared library structure. Okay, so then what's the... There's always a like a three-point tent pole for these releases. What's the third, the third big thing? Well, we, we'd have to mix a bunch in, but uh, uh, Shadow Highlights... Uh, yeah, so editing had, yeah. has been has been rewritten. Yeah, editing, and then uh, something that uh, we've had in Lightroom for a bit now, uh, which is where you have different uh, color temperature presets. So you have skin tone, you have neutral, and then you have the the temperature and tint, and uh, then you can mix and match in the same image. Got it. Okay. Bottom line, <clears throat> excuse me. Bottom line is this a uh, is this a piece of software that Lightroom users should say, you know what, I'm I'm going to jump over to Aperture or no. Well, here, <laughs> uh, you know, that's always an interesting question. I don't know about switching because, you know, there's a lot involved there. But uh, bottom line, this is free, so it's worth every penny, right? Because <laughs> it's a dot up update. Well, yeah. I, well, be clear. It's free if you already own up, uh, Aperture. The yes. update is free. If you don't yeah. own it, it's 80 bucks. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 
but the other thing is um, combined with what we're going to talk about next, which is the Retina Display MacBook Pro 15-inch. It's killer. Uh, it, then it, I think those two pieces together really does become tempting for people that are using other tools. So should they try it? Should 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 Lightroom users take a peek at it? Or which what's your what's your well, Mac world? Oh, your, me, I put say, on your yeah. Mac world hat. What's your buying advice? I say, uh, well, heck yeah! I say, I I say, try it. it. Doesn't hurt at all to try it. And especially the the bottom line that I say is that if you are an Apple environment uh, sort of person, in other words, if you like staying within the Apple environment, you like sharing tools within that ecosystem. Aperture is fantastic. If you're an Adobe ecosystem person, in other words, you like to share all the tools within the Adobe ecosystem, Lightroom, uh, to me, makes more sense. But see, that's so, the problem. I'm in both ecosystems. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Apple. i got iPhone and iPad. I use Macintosh. Yeah. I use Lightroom. I use Photoshop. And I use, you know, on the on the uh the Mac side or on the Apple side, I'm using Apple software. I use mail and all this other thing. So I don't, I, I can't be one or the other. I have to be both. I want a tool that lets me be both. That lets you be both? That yes. lets you be both peanut butter and jelly? Exactly. Icon and Canon? Exactly. Aperture and Lightroom? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes. I just, just, I, you're just heresy. talking cra- it's heresy. craziness now. Like the bonfire. He's a witch. No, you, you have to draw a line <laughs> and then throw the rocks at the other side. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the MO, right? That's, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, N- Nicole and Dan, have you guys – you've looked at this release, right? Um, and particular – and we talked about – aperture but this retina display thing i mean this is crazy now granted i don't i don't own the new uh the new ipad with the retina display on it so i don't i have an iphone with a retina display but i don't have ipad with a retina display so i haven't seen it big yet have you guys seen this and is this important to photographers at 2880 by 1800 resolution i'll go to you you first you go nicole you go first Uh, i think it's um i think the closer you can get to your images the better you know, if you can zoom in at 100% in Photoshop and see more than you would on a, a, a smaller screen, then, you know, you're, especially if you really do those fine, you know, cloning or yeah. whatever pixel pushing things, then I think it's going to be a huge plus. Plus, you'll see your images so much more beautifully on an, on a retina display. I have the new iPad. I upgraded from a, a, the first gen iPad to the, the newest generation, the, I guess iPad 3 or whatever. It's yeah. not really called yep. that. But, yeah. um, and the new were, iPad. It was, it was like nine day. It was just, you know, absolutely beautiful. And I had to re-upload a whole bunch, you know, of my, my, my photos, I think were all in my portfolio were all sized, you know, for the old ones. So I had to uh, change it to the new one, but it, it makes a big difference. Um, I won't, it's, it's not some, I don't have a Mac pro, MacBook pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my, I guess my two main computers are a Mac pro, like a 2009 Mac pro. And then I have, uh, you know, like some just a type two monitor set up with that. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, the just recent, not this, not the brand new um, MacBook Air, but just last year's MacBook Air. So I don't, and I don't have a MacBook Pro because I don't really use, I don't like to carry around a heavy laptop. Yeah. You know, I want something yeah. that's light and um, portable. I can throw my MacBook Air in a backpack and I don't even notice it's there. I could, I could fit that thing in my purse, which yeah. says a lot about my purse, but it can fit in my purse. So. That's, you know, kind of where I fit, but, but it's very appealing. Like now it's like, makes me go, Ooh, you know, that's, that's pretty nice. They're making them a little bit smaller and they're really increasing the quality. It would, it kind of makes me want, want one, 
you know, more than I did before. Totally. But. Yeah, I want I want a Retina display on an 11 inch MacBook Air. That's what I, I want. would probably upgrade <laughs> if they did that to the MacBook Air. Yeah, that's but my. Think, I'm hey, going to hold off. That's what I'm waiting on. If that happens, then this the 11 inch I have now goes into the rotation and the new one gets in you know comes into the flow so a year from now we'll be talking about the new macbook airs that we're gonna buy (laughs) exactly i better start saving now right yeah (laughs) but they they have have to distinguish the two you know like if they put a a retina display on an air then it's like you know people that are back and forth between the pro and the air are probably they want people to buy the pro yeah yeah well you know my my 11 inch macbook air has been the the single biggest barrier to me getting the new ipad so that's the because it's it's light and it's little and it's a computer you know it's a full on computer with a keyboard and I O and all that you can't lay back on your bed and play Plants vs Zombies on your on your MacBook Air you know yeah. that's that was really the deciding factor for me so. wow that says a lot about what you do <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not judging I'm not Dan what about you are you are you lining up are you going to run to the Apple Store to pick up your your MacBook Pro with a red no, display I don't know you know I I just got a 15 inch MacBook Pro honestly just about a year ago I sold my my 17 inch um from 2009 and went down to the 15 because uh, it was just too big to be carrying around. Yeah, and Apple um, discontinued the 17s apparently. Right? And they did, yeah, yeah. And um, as you know, I'm a kind of a software hardware junkie, so um, Aperture as well as Lightroom, you know, going that way too. Mm-hmm. But you know, it it's a pretty pricey computer, and you know, the chip itself is inexpensive. The RAM, I mean, all that stuff really doesn't cost that much. And I think what puts it over the edge is the is the Retina display, which, as you know, it, it is worth it. Um, I have. The iPad 3 with the display and it's it's terrific, um, and yeah, I would if I can se- if I can sell off my my 15 inch my current one which is about a year old for uh, a certain amounts then then I would add to it and um, and buy the new one. I do that honestly. I don't I don't get a computer for the long haul. I get it for a year or two. I sell it and I get the next one. Um, See, that's, that's how work, I think marriages should be, just like that. You know? <laughs> oh, God. You just have to renew marriages. What about you, Frederick? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I'm evolved. I'm just saying. You know, you know, you should you should have to renew your marriage license like you do your driver's license, <laughs> or else it goes invalid. <laughs> well, that's like the sister wives show. You know, somebody said to me, "Boy, wouldn't that be nice? You'd have all these wives." I oh said, Who no! How would want more than one wife? No, 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 no. I'm not going that direction. I'm just saying. You know. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but I, I think I think they're 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 pretty nice. Um, they're pretty pricey, but they're the only ones on the market that are like that. And um, for my work with a, with a bigger processor like that, um, the standard RAM is now double, which is huge for me for my 3D work. Yep. Um, but also with Photoshop, you know, Photoshop now CS6 um, takes advantage of not just your CPU, um, but your graphics processor as well. Or do I have that backwards? Wait a minute. Um, but it's using both now. So when you do the blurs and you're doing um, a lot of that heavy processing and liquefy, all that stuff is instantaneous. And on my big Mac Pro now that I have with the 27-inch monitors, um, now I'm getting real-time feedback. Uh, so when you're working with those huge images, you know that's where I see these pro laptops going too, which is really nice because I do a lot of work on the road, um, and it's it's nice to pretty much have a portable studio. So I, I like it. Very cool. I, I have kind of, I'm just kind of curious with the, okay, because I have a 27-inch monitor, and my resolution yeah. is smaller than the new 15-inch um, display is going to be. And you get yeah. people, like, I, I, you know, I work, I do uh, help desk, so I get a lot of Photoshop questions from people, you know, on, with the NAPP. And one, you know, question that people ask a lot is, can I change the font size 
of things. And yep. there are some things you can change and some things you can't change. Because eventually these screens are going to get so, the, you know, the resolution is going to get so large that the font just gets smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like that. And I mean, it's almost too small for me, you know. <laughs> and I, I sit pretty close that's, to my computer and I'm young. So it's yeah. not like that's I have That's one a, of my really, main issues of selling the 17 uh, inch and going to the 15 as well. That resolution was, it was too tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is one concern. That twenty eight eighty. I mean, it's oof. yeah. My twenty seven inches. My 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 thing is like, 60. Derek. I want to throw this one to you. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, we're in this sort of transitional period. It feels like with these new displays and Apple sort of pushing higher and more more pixels on the display and this just beautiful. You can't see the pixel type resolution. So what happens when? Like, like, for example, you, 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 you do a body of work. You have a portfolio out there, um, and you you created it specifically to look great on your computer, your older iMac. You know? And then now the world is moving towards these retina displays, and now your work looks like crap. You know, so what, what, what's, is there like a middle ground or should just people, should people just be like, okay, it's time to redo everything that I've done before because, you know, what was enough yesterday is no longer enough today. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think it's a good question. And actually I, I want to loop back to that piece. I just want to talk about the, the graphics on the, the MacBook Pro. Sure. Because they did something. Now, remember, there's there's two 15-inch MacBook Pros now. There's sort of the traditional one that's that's thicker, that still has the uh, optical drive, all the regular hard drive, all that stuff. Although you can put a solid-state drive in that one. But then there's the computer that Apple designed from the ground up, and that's the Retina display. Uh, so that one is different than the other 15-inch. The Retina display, I mean, sort of to Nicole's point, that computer has no optical drive, uh, has no, won't even take a standard hard drive. It is thin. It is 0.71 inches. It's virtually the same thickness as your MacBook Air at, at, the, at the thick end. Wow. You know, so now what they put inside of it, is interesting for all of us, right, that listen to the show. So all of them have on the board the uh, Intel HD graphics, uh, the 4000, which is an update to the 3000, which is a, a, a fine graphics processor. But on the 15-inch, they also add the, the NVIDIA uh, GT650 with uh, one gigabyte of dedicated uh, memory just for the graphics yeah. processor. Jeez. Wow. So, and then what they do, you know, you don't want to be running that all the time, right? You don't want to be running that while you're checking your email, right? Because, right. you know, you still got seven hours of battery life on this thing. So what they do is then they have automatic switching. So, you know, you use the onboard Intel when, you, when you're not doing heavy stuff. You start running Final Cut or Aperture Lightroom Photoshop, and then it, the NVIDIA kicks in. And I mean, this this is really killer. So when you start looking at the other refreshed laptops in the lineup, you know, the first thing you got to look for is to make sure that, you know, if you're a photographer, that you're getting one that really will make your work better. And the RAM and the graphics card, you know, are going to make a, a huge difference there. And they, they did all of this in something that's essentially the same thickness as an Air. So, that, so Derek, Lowe's, so that's, that's where the buzz comes from. I mean, and then the Retina display is, just, you know, on top of it. Sure, sure. So then, to get back to your question, you know, the thing I worry about 
uh, with a new computer is here I'm doing my editing on this retina display. And by the way, you can scale to different resolutions, and it should be better than what we've had in the past because there's more graphics horsepower there. Yeah. Um, but then I I got to keep a couple old computers around so that you know I know what the rest of the world is looking at because I'm worried about the reverse problem. Here I'm looking at things with you know absolutely smooth tones, uh, you know all this detail, uh, all these nuances, and then you know I I put it online and someone says oh it's an okay shot and I go what do you mean it's an okay shot? Look it's got this and this and this. Well remembering that they might not be seeing what I created on my computer, so I'm sort of worried about the reverse problem. With right. Uh, with these new things, yeah. Is there, Nicole, what about you? I mean, from from an iStock standpoint, has this has the the new resolution or the new standard, hopefully coming in the future of resolutions with these retina displays, changed how you submit images to iStock? No, I um, I don't think so. And I mean, to be honest, I think I'm actually probably much more anal about my photos as far as the quality control goes than than I need to be for the standards. I think the standards for stock photography are shifting. Uh, They're not lowering their standards. They're just changing them, you know, as far as uh, allowing maybe a more creative shot to go through that maybe has a little bit of noise or, you know, something quote unquote wrong with the image, but it's, it's a beautiful photograph. So, you know, they're not going to necessarily reject it for that. But, um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't ever, and I haven't really used, I, no one has really used a retina display monitor for a computer yet. So right, right, right. I have no idea. <laughs> and yeah. and it's also one of those things where I may have one, but whoever's, let's say, inspecting the photos or looking at them may not. So what Derek said is actually a very good point, you know, to be able to maybe, you know, like I have a, like I have a 27 inch uh, Mac monitor and I'll probably, if they ever make 27 inch monitors that, you know, like let's say they update the iMac down the road with a retina display. And then they also side along with that, they have just individual monitors, which is what I would need. I would probably buy one and then I'd still keep my set, my monitor I have now. I'd have them side by side. All I have to do is drag the photo back and forth, you know, to see how it looks on one, a normal monitor versus a retina display monitor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's weird being in this sort of middle ground area. Now, Dan, Dan, on the Nikon side, so Nikon has the D800, which we talked about on the show before, and they were gonna. Sure. People were wondering, what are you gonna do with all that resolution? You know, it's just it's too many megapixels. Is this what they're gonna do with it? Or, you know, is Nikon just saying, okay, we're building a we're building a camera that is going to be able to power the the Retina display resolution? <laughs> no, I I I doubt. The two are even related in anybody's thoughts. Um, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in case somebody took it seriously, um, like me, if uh, you know the the retinas, you know, the thing is, it's not like the monitors that were here before the retinas are that bad. Like we're going back to old CRT, you know, from 1995. Yeah, you know, they're the. Especially as Mac monitors. So I'll give you an example. I just bought a. Um, I'm doing some testing for AMD on one of their uh, Fire GL cards with Photoshop. I'm writing up some articles on it, and it's in a big HP computer uh, PC. So I had that next to the Mac, and I just picked up a little 23 uh, inch LCD Samsung. That monitor next to the 27 inch LED Apple monitor, it's night and day, and I cannot calibrate them to be equal. Um, and, and it's not a retina display, of course, it's just the existing one. Um, they both look great, but that Apple one is just head and shoulders above the other. So I don't think the resolution is going to be much of an issue with some of these new monitors. Um, 
you know, because because things have been looking, everything's gone HD and high res already. So yeah, yeah, um, we're 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 like in H H H D now, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and and as far as the D eight hundred, that's just detail. You know, if I was doing group shots, it's fantastic for that. So the faces aren't lost, and of course the landscape photographers and the billboard guys and things like that. Um, I don't think that should be a primary. That's a whole other discussion. But um, it's great as a secondary when you've got the need for it. At least for us, it would be a perfect uh, solution. Yeah. All right. So, so Derek, what about you? So, on the is was the the thirty what is it thirty six megapixels on the D eight hundred right versus the mm-hmm. five point one million or five megapixels on the Retina display? Does it make does it at least make the Nikon D eight hundred make more sense from a resolution standpoint? I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure about that. I'm sort of go along with uh, what dances, but I think it would be darn fun. <laughs> oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> awesome. and, uh, is that your Ni- technical it, answer? It, it, that is in Nikon. Uh, you know, if you're hearing this, I would love to test that on the Retina display. I, I'd be uh, happy to write about it. And in Chicago, it. we'd like one, please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely cool. All right, the last thing on the the Apple front was iOS six. Um, the new version of iOS is they made some updates to that too as well, Derek. Which I presume you probably know about, um, allowing people to select and share specific photos photo streams yeah. with friends and family. So now you can, you know, it, it's it's much more customizable. I take it, right? So do you do you know what the the main gist of this is? I don't. I mean, I haven't. I, I think Dan is actually more up to speed on this than me. I, I've read the the cursory stuff, but mm-hmm. it looks interesting. Uh, I just want to make sure that you know if they add more to PhotoStream, that PhotoStream like really works right to begin with. So. Are, like Dan, are you using PhotoStream, or is it part of your workflow? Not not professionally, personally, absolutely, because. Um, I have iOS 6 now on iPad 3. I have it on my iPhone 4, not the 4S. And uh, we have two Apple TVs at home. We just put one in the basement where the theater is. Um, and PhotoStream was terrific. Um, when we were in Florida last week, when I was doing that training job in Florida, I took my wife and daughter with, and we spent a couple of days at Universal. And when we got home, we were able to just literally just push from the iPad right to the Apple TV and show the photos. But then later iPad wasn't there, they were already on the photo stream, so it was easy to show somebody. And I think it's really neat. It reminds me of um, long before Google got involved with um, Picasa. Mm-hmm. It, it did exactly that. You could, yeah. you could send your photos to somebody with Picasa. They both have it. You can both sign up. And that was 12 years ago, yeah. something like that. Um, and then Google bought it. And I imagine it still does it, but I don't use it anymore. I did see one thing in the iOS 6 about PhotoStream that'll be for 30 days. And I don't know if that was um, in the previous version. I think they just stayed up there. Now it says your, your photos from the last 30 days will be in there. Well, we'll I, 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 think that's the, I think that's the same, that part of it. Is it? Okay. But, yeah, but I totally agree with you, Dan. In term, For my personal stuff, I just love it. I just love it when I put it in one place. And then I go to like the iPad or something, and they're there. And uh, it's really nice for blogging and things too, where you just you know you, you took kind of a, a cool shot and you just want to post about it. You took it with the iPhone, you just want. Then it's just right there on your on your other stuff. And I think it's really useful that way. That's part of what you were saying yeah, before, I, Derek, about being in that Apple ecosystem. That's just a, uh, that's another branch, right? Uh, is definitely a, a branch and uh, and a very useful one at that. Yeah, yeah. And you see, that's that's one thing I'm missing. I can't I can't 
work that piece into my workflow because I'm in the Lightroom. That I'm in that I'm on that tree, not on the Apple tree when it when it comes to my photos being imported into the computer. So, I'm as a Lightroom user, I'm missing out on that piece of the pie. Yeah, that's nice. And you know what? What I do is I actually use this is why I'm interested in the unified library thing. I use iPhoto to receive my photo stream. I don't bring it into Aperture. I have it turned off in Aperture. So I have it come into iPhoto because, I, I mean, I take a lot of goofy stuff with my iPhone, too. I mean, it's my it's my experimental camera as yeah, much as anything. Absolutely. So all the goofy stuff goes into iPhoto, and then I just cherry-pick out. iPhoto and Aperture even now talk to each other. And uh, you know, then cherry-pick out the stuff that, that I want into, into Aperture, where it's more my working library. And uh, this unified... A library thing is is going to make that situation even better. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, bottom line is always isn't it isn't it a cool time to be a photographer? There's just so, so much stuff. I remember trying to you know go into Michael's to find a frame. That was the best way that I could <laughs> share my images was to find a good frame. And now look at this, you know. Well, know. Frederick, I'll tell you how I how I use everything um, because I was on Aperture. I was thrilled when that came out all those years ago. I'm like, great, finally kind of a pro tool because I had ACDC on the PC and going towards the Mac side, okay, we need something to kind of pull this together, and that was the, the perfect way. Um, I really like iPhoto, really like Aperture, and I like Lightroom, and I had to I had to make a <laughs> – you had to commit, mm-hmm. um, you know, once we were building the studio. So we went with Lightroom, um, partly because I do a lot of training on it, and it was Mac and PC. So, yeah. you know, yeah, spread that – that base but what i've been able to do now um and actually i just picked up a little nikon s9300 a little point and shoot pocket camera cool um just to just to always carry around and what i've been doing is actually importing those directly to the ipad and using iphoto on the ipad and letting that connect with my other devices so i use aperture kind of for my personal stuff walking around the city doing uh, like the kelby photo walks things like that uh, use Lightroom with the catalogs for the clients, uh, and then use iPhoto uh, just for fun family stuff. And as a way to keep up with the software, but still use it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, bottom line for all this stuff, like I was saying before, it is there's lots of options and lots of tools out there, and we are the beneficiaries of it all. Speaking of beneficiaries, Canon... On the other side has uh, come segue. out. Come out, yeah. That's what I do. I make it smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Transition. I was to hear where that was going to go. Actually, transition. <laughs> Interpolation. <laughs> um, Canon has rolled out new STM lenses. So last Friday, we talked about this on the show. They announced the Rebel T4i. Um, with a hybrid AF autofocus system that allows continuous autofocus in live view and video modes, which people have been sort of trying to figure out workarounds for and has impact, impacted a lot of work. Um, so what they've announced are new lenses, uh, 18, an EFS 18 to 135 millimeter, um, 35 to 56 IS. God, that's a lot of letters and numbers. <laughs> And can you tell I don't have this in memory? I'm not. I'm not remembering this. And the 40 millimeter 2.8 pancake lens, uh, which is supposed to be really quiet. Um, so when it, so you get, on the Canon side, who's our Canon representative on the show? Canon. Yeah, Nicole. Uh, Derek, Am you're I Canon too. One? No, Derek is Canon too. Oh, okay. yeah, I, yeah, I shoot Canon also. Yeah, no, Der- Derek, you're you're the you're like an AANC. You're Apple, Adobe, Nikon, Canon. 
guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the photographer. Hey, that's the you photographer. This and you forgot uh, AfterShot Pro. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey. yeah. Yeah, but I want to hear what Nicole says, and then uh, then I want to talk about the pancake. Yeah, sure. Go go for it, Nicole. What do you, what do you think? Oh, uh, well, as far as these lenses are concerned, um, well, they, I'm just happy that they made the pancake lens an EF lens. Uh, just so everyone knows out who is who's listening to this, the difference between an EFS lens and an EF lens is the EFS lenses mean that it really only works with a crop sensor camera and oh, okay. uh, ef means that it works with anything and it's a full, so it's a full frame lens but it also works on a crop sensor it's just going to be it kind of look like it'll kind of look like the lens is a little bit more zoomed in than a, it, you know than the 40 millimeters but i am really excited about the 40 millimeter pancake um for two reasons uh, first of all because it'd be nice just to have a nice carry around small compact lens even if i throw it on my 5d mark III, you know it's going to be really small um second that lens is almost impossibly small it's like how do you get those optics in there it's just flat yeah, i'm waiting right? to see what i'm waiting to see some reviews on it you know to, to get a it, yeah it's it's good or it's it sucks you know i want to see one or the yeah. other it's, it's very inexpensive it's 200 dollars. you know which actually surprised me that it was so inexpensive um but the second reason i'm excited about it is because i'm really hoping that the rumors for a mirror, mirrorless Canon camera are true because I'm kind of thinking of going that direction uh, with an, you know, I, I have a Fuji X100 and it's a beautiful little camera, but it just does not focus fast enough for me and for most of the situations that I'm in. And I want something that I can, I guess, rely on a little bit more. So I, and I use the Canon system. So if, you know, they were to come out with something like that, but I'm kind of going off track from the lenses. But so, Nicole, Nicole, have you heard of the Canon G9? I mean, it is awesome. <laughs> well, you know, awesome. honestly, I'm looking. I want. I really. The reason I got the X100 was because it has a crop sensor. So the sensor size is way larger than a um, than a point and shoot. Yeah. And and it, you know, it says it doesn't have interchangeable, but the the optical quality of that camera and that lens, the X100, is just absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, and the, the joke is the little sidebar is when it focuses um, because right, it does have right. trouble focusing in um, dark light, you know, or dark light doesn't make sense in dark conditions. Dark matter. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it also is very slow to focus at times. So, you know, I, I, I just find myself not using it as much as I would like to. So I mean, for that kind of camera, that's the, I mean, that's the kiss of death. That's like saying, yeah, it's a beautiful car. It's awesome. But it just doesn't start. Yeah. You know, I, you know, focusing is kind of critical for a camera, especially a point and shoot. One right? thing, it would, I wouldn't have any complaints about it. You know, and I'm going to keep it. I don't plan on getting rid of it or, or you know, selling it or anything like that because I do have other ways that I use it. Yeah. But for, you know, if I want to carry around camera, maybe if I want to do street photography or, you know, like I would never walk up to a person that I didn't know, a stranger, ask to photograph them with my X100 because it's very – it's very. I don't exactly know what's going to happen. Is it going to focus? Is it not going to focus? Am oh. I standing there for a minute trying to take this person's portrait? Yeah. So I want something where it's going to be like five seconds in and out. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. um, that, so I'm really excited about the pancake lens. The 18 to 35, not excited at all. That's a kit lens, standard kit lens. It's a, it's, I'm sure it's a great lens, um, but they make those. They're inexpensive. You know, the variable aperture. So you're going to zoom that thing all the way out to 135, and you're not going to be able to stop it down to f3.5 you know so yeah, five, you six, make yeah. a lot of um i guess sacrifices when you when you get lenses like that and but <laughs> so the the 18 to 135 leave it on the shelf the 40 millimeter depending on what the reviews say that may end up in that, your kit bag that's as far as me you know and i'm i'm a um I do this as a profession, so I tend to buy the lenses that cost more or have a, you know, that, that are the L glass, which is the professional grade glass. But I don't have, like, 
shelves and shelves of, of lenses. I'm very selective with the lenses that I buy. So that's, you know, that's how I, that's how I roll. I hear you. I hear you. Derek, what do, what do you have to say about this? Are you, are you, you have one of these 40 millimeter lenses on order? I have it on order. Yeah. I, I really agree with a lot that Nicole's saying, and I, I'm pretty excited about it too. And I'm happy that it'll work on both cropped and, and the five D Mark two and the other full sensor cameras. And I think it's, it's a it's a cool lens in the sense that f two eight's not the fastest thing in the world, but you know what? It's 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 fast enough for a lot of situations, especially with the ISO being what it is these days. And for something that's basically the same as putting the body cap on your camera, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? could, you know? they, could they make it any any like? Could they push that to a one point two and have it even be a pancake lens? I don't. I mean, I don't see anyone doing it. Almost all the pancake lenses that I've shot with have been two eight. So. There must be something in the in the physics of it. There's there. there's some sort of black hole material in that lens or something. Yeah, I don't <laughs> physics. I don't see how those physics work. It's just I don't, amazing. I don't think we mentioned just to kind of clarify that a pancake lens just means that it's a really small flat lens. Just right. so anyone listening who's confused of what we're talking about, it's not actually it's from out. Betty Crocker. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> Instead of it sticking out far, it's just going to be you know like basically picture. I'm, I'm assuming if you picture a 50 millimeter and then like slice that in half, you know like yes. uh, then you know the regular the way that you would still have a lens shape <laughs> then that's kind of how long it's going to be so yeah and then the thing about it is it'll focus if you're using a 518 right now for kind of you know your little fast bang around lens this should focus a, a lot faster than that lens you know with uh with a new focusing system so it should be it should for 200 bucks I mean, unless something goes horribly wrong, you know, <laughs> this this should be a steal. I think that's a no brainer. I know. Yeah. That's, that's, you I, should, I, they should put those on the in the drive through or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the little Best Buy machines in the airport. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Ooh, lens. You know what? It's funny though. You know, we talk about on the show a lot how. In order to, I think this one of the previous shows we talked about how in order to be a real, to look like a real photographer, you got to have a big DSLR body with a big lens on it, and then people will perceive you as a real photographer. Now, you know, Canon is going in the opposite direction and putting these little, you know, stunted lenses on these cameras. Well, you know, Dan, I'll I'll throw it to you. Putting this lens, I know you, you shoot Nikon, but if you had a pancake lens like this on your Nikon camera, would it make you look like less of a photographer? The well, way you phrase that, Frederick, is a little disturbing. I'm trying. I'm trying to be <laughs> nice. I'm trying to. So many nice. jokes. <laughs> so well, yeah, you're right. So many jokes. Know, like, I did shoot Canon my entire life, and I still have my original A1. Um, and I shot, all, and I kept kept up with everything all the way up through an uh, 1D Mark III until I moved over to Canon. So I moved over to Nikon from Canon. Um, so I know I know all of them very well, and agree with what uh, Derek and Nicole both said. But, you know, I think when you're starting out, you kind of want that. Um, you know, I shot at my daughter's school for her play, you know, and I think I mentioned in the last one, I had to go with the big D3 and the 70 to 200, 28. And, you know, that, honestly, be that guy, fun. you had to be that, that dad, kind of right? Got yeah. to say. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, I really don't care. I, you know, what's going to get me the get me my images. And um, I think at some point you get past that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not about that all the time. It's just, Only- you know. Other photographers care more than people actually, you know, paying you for your photography. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of this Discovery Channel show. When I forget what it was about, but we're talking about the birds of paradise and how the birds, the birds of paradise, have to do you know, a, a ton of different varieties of them. But they do these crazy dances to 
impress the other birds and I think photographers in a lot of cases like dan when you had to show up with the other dads out there with your d3 yep. and the <laughs> 72 you were doing the bird of paradise dance for <laughs> a little bit a little bit and that's, but, that's you know, about as far as i go with it yeah you know frederick there are times when you don't want to look like a real photographer Absolutely. and 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 that's uh when you can get shots that you wouldn't be able to get with your big camera and so forth yep. and uh, sort of to nicole's point earlier i one of the, I mean, I love the uh, Olympus OMD. I think you know, talk about fast focusing. That that camera is uh, blazing, and I can carry that around and put, the, let's say, the forty five f one eight on there, and and not look like uh, a serious photographer. And people's guards will go down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guards won't bother you as much. You know, all the and, you know, if you wear a really loud, ugly shirt and black socks, it gets even better. Uh, you know, and, that's and, awesome. You need to put you need a blog post about that. Yeah, and it really, there are just shots you can get under those circumstances that you can't when you're being quote unquote a real photographer. Yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of real <laughs> photography, here's another smooth segue. Yeah. Uh, speaking of real photography, uh, Leica has announced a $50,000 camera. A 50, you know, I'm going to call this the P. Diddy camera because this is just like. Yeah, I've got one on order. <laughs> $50,000. They're only making 100 of them, which will net them a cool $5 million. But they're no $50,000 for this body and. People that buy it, we've got a picture here in the show notes. People that buy it have to sign an agreement, physically sign an agreement that says that they won't see, sell it for two years. Since it, that's just like that's clever marketing. I, that I love. I'm going to put that on a slide for a marketing presentation because that is that is some clever marketing. It's called like reverse marketing. You, know, you can. I'm going to you know, overcharge you this. on this thing. And you can't sell it because it's that good. <laughs> Derek, the person that came up with this whole thing is the same person that built the camera that takes only one picture a day. <laughs> so we and the guy that put the app in the app, the, the Apple App Store that was like, what was it, a million dollars or a thousand dollars or something? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Oh, Nicole, are you, uh, you going to line up to get this thing to add to your business lineup? It's got three lenses uh, in there. Come on. I'm going to have to pass on this one, you know. Um, I've got something else now. I, I, this is stupid, honestly. I mean, That's photographers awesome. aren't going to buy this. People who think photography is fun and have, you know, and just won the lottery are going to buy this. Um, yeah. It's, it's like a... It's, it's like a gift people, to the queen. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like, like you know, your highness, fun. here's a gift for your coronation, you know, kind of thing. You know, like the people would buy like the Star Wars action figures and never open them and never take them out of the packaging. Right, That's, right. I mean, how many photographs are actually going to be created with these cameras? People don't want to touch them. You know, they just want it to like sit and look pretty in the box and then show it off to all their party friends and say look at this camera it it's a trophy camera yeah trophy. yeah exactly i think it's stupid i mean i wouldn't if someone gave me one as a gift i'd take it you know but i wouldn't um you I'd wouldn't never... even use it though because you'd be afraid to take Probably it on the side yeah, exactly i feel like this, ca- this camera in in a year and a half i can or whenever you know i can sell this in two years like, i know i know derek cheap. derek would probably do the math on it and say okay fifty thousand dollars uh, and the number of actuations actually depreciates this camera by a certain amount. So every time I take a picture, it's worth a dollar. So <laughs> you're, you're probably right. It's probably like 15 or 20 bucks a shot, you know? Exactly. Well, you know, I'm debating, honestly, I'm debating between this one and then the Leica M that only takes black and white. It's, it's, um, it's what a horse are they race. doing over there? I mean, 
I don't. Maybe I mean I'm just trying to benefit the doubt. I'm just money, and they they're like, just oh, com- we can have marketing. You know, some advertising agency was like, here's what you do. You, know, know. you put a value on something, then people think it's worth that much. So <laughs> there's some. Mar- yeah, you're probably right, Nicole. Some marketing agency or consultant went in there and drew a pyramid on their whiteboard, and it <laughs> said down at the bottom, "This is everybody else. It's all the advanced amateurs and all those guys." And Nikon and Canon and Olympus and Sony, they have that sewn up. You can't get it. But at the top, there's this little dot of people that have a lot of money. We're going after them. <laughs> so, Choose your audience. Yeah. We it's only like need a those- hundred of them to buy this fifty thousand dollar camera. It's like the fancy car companies who are all owned by Chevrolet. You know, you know that all the same parts are going. In, maybe not exactly. exactly, but you know, they're. Of course, I can't. I don't really know a lot about cars, but I do know that you know some cars are. You know, they're just fancy. Being, people spend a lot of money on them because it's it's the. Um, Hey, look! I'm driving around in a exactly. whatever. It's like Jaguar. Like Ford owns Jaguar. You yeah, know, it's the same thing. I don't know. It's, it's I'd be I'd be I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the meetings that <laughs> end up in let's actually write the press release that has a fifty thousand dollar number. On you know, if it were like diamond in a, studded in this economy, or like you know, like every, the lenses were made out of like gold or something, then that would make more sense to me. Yeah, because it totally actually like has value as opposed to just. Somebody who knows it has value. It's like the it's- strap is marinated in stem cells or something. <laughs> you know? like- this is wrong. <laughs> it will last forever and it conforms <laughs> to any neck. You know? like- <laughs> it is crazy. I don't know. Photographs the future like on uh, that, that, um, t- that, what's it called? Oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just crazy. I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I will not be buying this camera. This camera is the antithesis of my my Canon G9. I just want to say that. <laughs> you just wanted to throw that you know that fancy word in there is what you wanted to do. No, uh, what are you? You still hold on to that thing? I still have my Canon G9. I love it. I love it. It's it's you know that you know how, Nicole when you when you turn it on the the little the shutter opens up and then the lens comes out. Uh-huh. Um, that is starting to not work every uh-huh. time. So I think it might have another year left on it, but I'm going <laughs> to use that thing until it dies. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to use it until it dies, and I'm going to put it on the shelf, and it's going to become a display piece, and then I'll get something new. <laughs> if you can sell it for $50,000. Totally. Yeah. Frederick's, Frederick's famous G9 for fifty. dollars It doesn't work at all, but it's worth a lot of money. Exactly. I'll even put some framed pictures with it, that, you know, with frames that I got from Michael's. I'll put them <laughs> You can make a little diorama or what's you know those little shadow box things with your camera. Totally, from- totally. All right, so this is Twip listeners, email me if you if you're interested in buying my broken old <laughs> G9 in about a year. I will consider the highest bid on that camera. All right, guys, let's quickly talk about and we want to talk about um, a listener question that came in. Um, it was regarding specializing or generalizing. Um, the one of the Twip listeners, Henry Alva, wrote in. He said. I've heard that you guys said that you should focus on one thing and do it well, whether it's weddings, portraits, food, sports, etc. I love shooting, and he put in all caps, anything. I believe you can capture and should share your point of view of any moment. I figure good shots will stand out. I've joined Flickr and started a blog because I wanted to share my photos. I've gotten some gigs from the photos I've already posted um, by word of mouth. And his question is, since I don't seem to specialize in anything, do you think it will hurt me professionally in getting photography gigs, gigs by posting so many different types of photos? And he says, I just want to share my photos. Um, who wants to take this first? I'll help you. Go for <laughs> it. Go for it. Okay. Um, I still believe you need to find a niche or niche, depending on who's saying it, because uh, I don't really know which way is better. Yeah. Um, because... As 
a photographer starting out, you just want a job. Yeah, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. And most photographers can shoot everything. But I think when you do that, you're competing with a giant pool of everybody else. I know we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, this is what I shoot. This is what I love to do and stick with that and say no to the other things. We have. We finally crossed that leap three or four years later. And we've seen we've seen the difference. We're specializing in high school seniors and photography is a little different and compositing shots and some glamour stuff. And we're starting to get more of that work mm-hmm. uh, just the way it is in my 3D work. I do a lot of medical animation. I do a lot of dental animation, even though I'll pretty much animate anything. That's now become kind of a niche for that. It's what you're known you for, right? It's what you're known for. And that being said, um, I think our reader or listener comments um, that is his thing is shooting everything. So I think he's actually answered his own question. If that's what he's happy shooting, go for it. That's by all means. It's just a little harder to market yourself. But because you do shoot everything, you can use that as a marketing tool saying he only shoots weddings. Dan only shoots portraits. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know. I think I, I, I'd have to, I have to disagree because I, I would come down on the standpoint of, yes, you can shoot anything and you should, as a photographer, light generally falls on everything and you should be able to capture it. So, yes, you can you can shoot everything and enjoy this the whole idea of creating art from whatever your eye sees. But when you're talking about a business and you're talking about making money from this stuff, you should absolutely focus on a target and aim for that target and become the best and known in that target. That's not to say that you can't go out and shoot landscapes because you specialize in models professionally. It's just saying that right. when you market yourselves, you're marketing to the mar- the people that are looking for model you photography, right? That's that's where I would think. I've been shooting I've been shooting downtown Chicago since I was 13. I've got black and white film, thousands of photos. I can't make a business of that. That's right. one reason I moved out of photography, went into 3D, until I started doing more portraits. I'm like, hey, you know what? This we can make money with. So I do agree with you. I'm just saying for him, if he loves shooting that stuff, maybe there is a way he can market it to his favor. But um, the general consensus is find a, find a specialty that's good for you. But doesn't mean you cannot shoot your other things. Just – you know, yeah, just, have a specialty, right, Derek? Derek, what about you? Should should people be general practitioners or specialists? Well, I mean, I think it's a good good discussion question for sure. And you know, I, as you know, I'm more of a generalist. I, I shoot a lot of different things, and mm-hmm. I came up through editorial and have always sort of that's the way I answer the the question when people ask me because you know other people want to know well what do you shoot right I mean you get asked that question well so I say I'm an editorial shooter and that seems to satisfy them what it really means is I shoot everything Um, but I I will say this I think that it's more important really to develop your style than to to think about what specifically you're going to shoot and then let your style lead you down the road to, you know, where you're going to end up as a photographer. And I, I think that, you know, when I talk to people and I look at their portfolios and we talk about that sort of stuff, I I want to know that every shot that you show me, uh, say of a dozen shots, I want to know that every shot, I, it want, I want it to jump out at me that you took that shot, that mm-hmm. that shot's by you. And, uh, and I think... Being all over the map with your style is um, more problematic. If you want to evolve and become known as some sort of photographer, I think that's more problematic 
really. So I think my advice would be develop your style. Really, de- you know, say like for instance, there are things that I love as a photographer. You'll see in a lot of my shots. I love motion backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love soft backgrounds. I love things like that. I love sharp against soft. You know, so there's a, there's definitely a, a style in my work. Develop your style, and then it might lead you to uh, you know the areas that you end up focusing on more. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole, what what about you? Focus or keep it wide? I think, well, I think actually exactly, Frederick, I think almost the words that you said were pretty much exactly what I was going to say. You know, when it comes, and, and what everyone else is saying, it's when it comes to marketing your business, when you want to find clients and photograph and make a living or make money with your images, specialize. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, you know, like I, I photograph food. And now I, my business model is unique. At the moment, I don't take clients, but I'm planning on doing that. So my portfolio, my online portfolio that's specifically for trying to get clients to hire me is going to be food photography. And that because I'm good at that, I enjoy doing it. People know me for doing food photography. So that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I photograph a lot of other things. You know, I, I do stock photography, which um, I, I photograph a lot of people, and which actually will help with my food photography because chef portraits and things like that. Um, I photograph landscapes, which is kind of a maybe the last year, year and a half thing that I've really started to enjoy doing. I do that. That's all my side stuff. If you look at my, my blog or my Google Plus page, you're going to see kind of a mix of everything mm-hmm. that I enjoy photographing. But like when it comes down to finding clients, I am going to be hopefully hired for my food skills. Now, yeah. if somebody saw a landscape image of mine or, I don't know, a stock photo and said, we want to hire you to do this, I wouldn't say no. But I, want, I, I think that you also – when I look at someone's portfolio and whether it's a professional portfolio or somebody who's just like, you know, hey, this is my portfolio and it's, it's laid out very nicely but it's, it's, it's kind of all over the place where they have, look, I photograph food and I photograph people and sports and this mm-hmm. and that. It makes me think that they're very confused because I might look through those images and see, well, they're not very good at sports. But, you know, their portraits are really good, but then their food sucks. You know, yeah. I, I see this mix of things. I want them to be confident in what they're photographing. And I know for myself, I'm very confident in photographing food. And in my images, I want to portray that. I don't want to throw a mess of everything I can shoot. I want to say, look at what I'm really, really good at. Yeah, and that's like a – I think that's a beginner sort of knee-jerk reaction is – and I think a lot of it might come from just insecurity about not having found yourself as a photographer. So like like, you know, many, many moons ago when I first started using Flickr, I would upload everything that I shot from a particular shoot. And my thinking was – Hey, I don't know what's best. People will tell me what's. Yeah. <laughs> they will comment on the best thing, and that'll be what's best. You know? You're right. People yeah. didn't. I didn't call myself a food photographer. Other people started calling me a food photographer before I was like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I I do photograph food. I guess I'm a food photographer. Yep. You know, so I've kind of trans. And I wrote a book on food photography, which probably helped my my. Yeah, you know, and you you pushed it to the next level. I mean, your yeah. your book. I mean, what's it called? It's called from uh, food, food photography, photography from snapshots to great shots. That's right. right. It's on Kindle. It's on. Um, it's a. It's a physical book that you can buy, and it's published through Peach Pit. So you've taken, you've taken that whole idea of I am going to tackle this vertical. I'm going to focus the magnifying glass on the leaf, mm-hmm. and that spot that I'm going to burn is food photography, mm-hmm. right? But you still shoot other stuff, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I and the other stuff, like, and I share it too. I don't do not 
keep yourself from sharing images that you absolutely love. If that's what you want to do, don't stop. Yep. Just know that you have to have kind of two entities, you know, like you, you need a portfolio for clients, but then you also maybe have a blog that you're going to share everything else. Yeah. Uh, or you have a wedding, you know, like I have a friend who has his own, who has a blog that he kind of, he does a lot of, I guess, uh, he does weddings, but then he also does, um, maybe he'll photograph at like nightclubs or things like that. So he wants those to be completely separate from each other because he doesn't want his wedding clients seeing uh, his crazy nightclub stuff, right. you know, yeah. and mostly that side, I think. So he wants the wedding clients to think he's a wedding photographer. That's his specialty. Mm-hmm. That's what he's really good. He's really good at it. But, you know, he also is really good at this other thing. So he found a way to kind of do both things and, and make it work. You know, he kind of splits, but you know, obviously that's going to create a little bit more work. You're kind of splitting your brand into two different things. Yeah. Um, but if you love, if you love photographing, I don't know, macro images do it don't stop doing it maybe that one thing that you think is just a hobby will turn into a profession and you had no idea it would it could get you there so totally so dan on your side so the the the, you know you've got a studio and you by virtue of the fact that you and Derek, you have a studio as well. But Dan, you have a you know a portrait studio that you're you've got clients funneling in day in and day out. You've got a you've got a spin. You've probably got a line in your spreadsheet for your marketing spin on how you're going to target particular markets like seniors and all that. How like what advice would you give to photographers that are like this you know this guy that that wrote into us um, that. They want that you know they've been bitten by the whole bug of being a photographer, mm-hmm. so they want to take good you know they walk around and like oh there's a leaf I want to take a picture of that leaf oh a fire hydrant yeah. I want to take a picture of the fire hydrant, so they they still have that they have that sort of thing in their blood to shoot and capture light and images and process them and share them. Then you know like Nicole is saying the other half of them if they want to go into business for themselves they have to learn to constrain that how do they constrain that right. Well, I can tell you firsthand, I mean, Nicole hit it on the head because I was the same way, you know. I mean, I had the things I gravitated to, but other than really events and weddings, which I never really cared to shoot, I would shoot everything. And, you know, in the beginning, if if we look back at the website, you know, four or five years ago when we were officially opening the studio and moving from just I'm shooting because I like to shoot to let's make it a business, I had all kinds of stuff up there. Um, and we had done a wedding or two for a cousin or somebody. I put those in there, but cause I thought they were great images, but I'm like, you know what? That's not really what we do. I can't show that as much as I think that's a great image. Um, one of those things, much like, uh, Nicole's food, we would shoot a couple of dogs here and there. Next thing you know, I have a whole dog category. We have people that come in that, you know, they don't have kids, but their pets are their kids. And, you know, I heard one photographer say, you know, people like their kids, but they love their dogs. And it's really true. And we have on our website on ablingallery.com, there's a dog section. We just did a charity pet event um, for a food shelter and a, and a, um, uh, and a food shelter and a puppy shelter. Uh, and we raised $600 in dog food. They brought their dog food and donated, and we gave them a free portrait. We shot 40 dogs in a matter of six hours. Jeez. And, um, you know, we're also a dog photographer now because it's kind of come into that simply because, I don't know, we got kind of a knack for it. And I really like doing it. I think it's a cool thing. So there's no reason that can't be an entity of the portrait business, the portrait of the dog. Right. But, right. you know, if you are, I just, I know for a fact that the guys I know that are wedding guys are not really portrait guys. And the ones that are portrait people, 
they're not really wedding guys. Um, yes, there's people who do great in both, but one of those things feels better to them. They gravitate to, they love doing. And so, yeah, I agree. You got, you got to show that. And as much as it's, as hard as it is to do, you got to pull those from your website. Yeah. And for um, me, it's like, it, it said, was, it was the Saturday morning test for me. I call it the Saturday morning test. It's like, you know, you got to shoot at whatever time on Saturday. For me, it was like, okay, if, if it was a wedding, like back in the day, I shot a couple of weddings. If it was a wedding the night before, I'd be like, oh, man, I got to shoot a wedding tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right, I got to shoot a wedding. Right. But if it was a portrait session or a model or something like that, I'd be like sketching out different ideas about what I'm going to do. I'm and, with you on that. You know, like Googling different different poses and getting ready, getting my brain in zone for shooting. Whereas with the wedding stuff, because I'm not a wedding photographer, I'd be like, oh, man, I really can. can why is the clock moving so fast? You know? <laughs> And here's, I'm sorry, Nicole, here's one more way just to really differentiate. If you only could show five of your best images to get a job, what would they be? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I would tell somebody. Yeah. Nicole, show your whole portfolio. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, no, no, that's all. I think that's a really good way to kind of figure out who you are and where you want to go as a business. Yeah, I was just going to say the the funny thing is kind of on the flip side of what we're talking about is that sometimes people and I think it's mostly maybe friends and family. They they know you're a photographer so they think you photograph everything. Like my <laughs> my cousin's getting married in January and he was Time like to say no. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, I've I've seen, you know, I'm not like super close with him. I mean, I've, you know, he always lived in a, far away, so I I know him and everything, but He's like, oh, I know your photo. You, you know, I've seen your photographs. They're really beautiful. You know, would you photograph my wedding? <laughs> and yeah. I'm immediately like, no. How do you say I no to that? See, that's, I, just, I get I that a lot too, and it's it always actually, hard. It was actually kind of easy, just because I'm not a wedding photographer, and I think that I could photograph a wedding. But I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I feel that I'm competent enough. I can photograph people, and you know, but I, it's, it's different, you know. And any wedding photographer that would be sitting here next to me would be going, yeah, it's very different. You know, it's like somebody mm-hmm. else telling me that they can, they're going to go shoot food. Right. I'd be like, uh, do you shoot food? <laughs> you know, yeah. are you sure you know what you're doing? Right, um, right. but, and you know, I mean the family thing aside, uh, I would not feel comfortable doing, doing it at all. And so I basically was like, look, I, I don't photograph weddings. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, I want you to have someone who knows what they're doing. Yep. Um, because it is, it's like a completely different mindset. You know, we, the photography you know, people see it as like this giant, you know, it's all just one thing. But I think those of us who are in it understand that they're, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's using a camera. If you're just standing behind your camera, you know how to use your camera, your lenses and manipulating light, but working with your subject oh, yeah, is totally. a whole That's other huge. part of it. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you, you know, like a wedding, there are, there are a, a series of events at a wedding, you know, that you have, that you know what are coming and you have to have enough gear with you and maybe a backup shooter, uh, you know, and with, like with food, you know, I, I know that I have to style it properly and light it a certain way and all these little minuscule things that we all know and understand about each specific subject, you know, so kind of going off topic here but no no it's great you know it's, it's you know i think that we kind of all fall into you know like i've i've just kind of fallen in love with with food and i'm i i feel like i'm really good at this is something i could you know actually be hired and have clients pay me to do you know right now my food photographs they go into my stock portfolio so i kind of have a strange business model with it i guess but um i'm i'm going to continue doing it and hopefully it'll you know turn into a maybe a a, a different business on side on top of what i'm already doing but like that saturday morning test right i mean if if you know that you're going to shoot a particular dish for a client 
Saturday, right, and it's Friday night, you're thinking about it, right? Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to use this technique. Oh, I saw this cool thing about how to exactly. make frosting look more realistic. You're going to be you're going to be thinking about that stuff, whereas if it's something that's not in your – that you don't like, that you're just doing because someone asked you to do it, then you're going to be like, oh, man, I got to get up tomorrow and shoot – yeah. Jeff and Jones wedding. Ugh, you know, <laughs> if you get excited about it, which I do, especially about food, you know, and or landscapes or anything that I love photographing. But if you get excited about it, then, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's, if it's not a chore, then, then, you no, know, you should be consistent. On the, on the Derek story side, Derek, what do you, what excites you? So you, you've professed that you are a generalist and you're happy with it and you're good at it. Right. So mm-hmm. like with the Saturday morning test, what if you have a shoot the next day it could be anything right it could be you could be leading a workshop you could be out shooting a a wedding you could be doing portraits you could be shooting models how do you get excited about what's coming up the next day well i mean i only like to shoot stuff that excites me so that helps just in my case probably where i'm a little bit different i maybe have a broader range but at the end of the day uh portraits events sports are the things that i just really love to do and, okay uh, so you are it, you are specialized it's just a wider specialization that you know again that, again that probably comes out of the whole editorial thing but on your saturday morning test if if i have a, a portrait shoot and i don't mean a portrait shoot of i mean a portrait shoot with someone that likes being in front of the camera that knows how to be in front of the camera yeah, i mean yeah. something more professional and then or if i know i'm going to the the racetrack to shoot auto racing or like today if i knew i'm going to the u.s open to photograph that and i'm going to be in great state i'm excited about that that's that's fantastic and those are the things that really get me going and now i'd like to give a quick nod to the sponsor for this episode of this week in photo it is squarespace.com squarespace is the fast and easy way to create a high quality website or blog if you'd like a free trial and 10 percent off your first purchase on new accounts just head over to squarespace.com and use the offer code twip6 and squarespace is now offering free domain registration with annual plan subscriptions so you know if you haven't heard of squarespace.com we've been you know, Squarespace is a longtime sponsor of This Week in Photo, and we've been sort of tooting their horn for a while. If you haven't heard of them, they, you know, it's kind of, you know, this whole push for cloud computing, right? Everything is in the cloud. It's not on your hard drive anymore. Everything is in the cloud, which means it's on a server somewhere not <clears throat> located next to your computer. So with Squarespace.com, they are an easy-to-use user interface for managing your website or blog as it exists in a cloud. And what does that mean? That means that you don't have to worry about the server. You don't have to worry about the software that's driving your website. You don't have to worry about the plugins that are on there. None of that stuff. It's all taken care of by Squarespace. They've got integration with, um, they've got a blog module in there that allows you to import and export your WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, TypePad, etc. blog. If you want to throw a form on your site because you want to collect email address and that uh, email addresses and that sort of thing. There's a form builder, so you can create this really slick-looking form. Throw that up there in like 10 minutes. You can integrate your Flickr website. You can inter- integrate your Twitter, your Twitter feed, um, all Facebook. It just goes on and on. Google Maps, all this stuff that you can really easily tweak and integrate into your site to make the people that are visiting your site think that 
you're a hero when it comes to creating websites. It just makes you look really, really good. And that, in the end, is what it's all about. So Squarespace has hundreds of design templates to choose from. You can customize, pick one, customize the the design or the template to sort of fit what your particular needs are and then deploy it. And once you do, people can view it on the iPhone, the iPad, Android. Plus there's iPhone, iPad, and Android applications that will allow you to update your site on the go. So definitely check it out. Sign up for a free account. It's at squarespace.com. You can get a free trial. You don't even need a credit card. You can just try it out, start building your website, and then if you decide to purchase that website, just use the offer code TWIP6 and they'll knock 10% off your first purchase if you're a new account. And then, you know, also don't forget about that free domain registration with annual plan subscriptions. Again, that's squarespace.com with the offer code TWIP6. All right, guys, let's blow through our listener questions real quick. Um, this is the listener Q&A section where you guys, our guests, get to answer questions that have come in. Um, to us via our various online presences. We kind of just answered one of them, but there's a couple more that I want to just touch on really quick. Listener Danny writes, he says he just bought a Canon T3i. He shoots with a standard kit lens, a 55 to 200 millimeter in auto mode um, in an indoor auditorium to take photos of his six-year-old's dance performance. And he says the photos were all captured with red eye in them. He wants to know, one, what's the reason behind red eye? Like, what's the science? Two, how can he avoid it? And three, as this is a performance on a stage, he only has to, he only has available light to work with. Will changing the camera lens or camera improve the situation? So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you first, Nicole, on this since you know about that particular camera. What do you think? Oh uh, well, I I mean I've never used a, that specific camera, but red eye happens when the when you have like harsh light straight onto your eyes, so yeah. it kind of lights up that. I don't know the actual science behind retina. it, but it, you know, it's yeah, the it retina, lights up it your lights, retina display. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, so it's like reflecting off of, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it happens a lot with flash <laughs> yep, yep. and uh, like you see red on people with animals. You often see like a green color with you. So it's basically, it's like still red eye, but it's green. Um, so it's possible that maybe the, maybe, I don't know if, if he's using a flash. It sounds like he's using available light. He, yeah, he, Danny, he, that he's using available light. Um, but it's possible that maybe other people, if, you know, there are a lot of flashes going off. Yeah, that, that was the weird catchy. part, right? I mean, cause, yeah. cause red eye generally comes from when your, your flash is right above your lens and it bounces light off the retina back into the lens and lighting up the retina, which is red. Right. So, yes. which, which creates the red eye, but he's saying he's not using the flash. So that was weird. Well, it's also like, and I've never, this is a complete guess, but most of the times you're going to have a spotlight coming from behind. Mm. So I don't know if that, that, if that as the natural light or the existing light, uh, in the room, maybe that's causing it. So the whole and, cast probably looked demonic to the audience. Yeah, <laughs> if so, um, you know, there's, I mean, if, if he has no control over the light in the room, I'm not really sure if there's a way around it other than just correcting the red eye in post-processing, uh, which a lot of, you know, there are a lot of simple fixes that you can do or you can do it by hand. Um, so yeah, so that's a tough one. I would, you know, like I could say, if, if he's using a flash, if he has a flash on his camera, stop using it. 
you know. Well, he's, he does say that he's shooting in auto mode. and Yes. And if, it, if it's auto mode, that means auto everything. And uh, that means the flash goes up and the light goes down. So oh, I, think, right. I, think, I think he is using the flash. And uh, maybe he's not, you know, parsing that out completely. But red eye comes from flash. And it, otherwise, it's a very unusual situation. Uh, we're talking about alien invasion, you know, things like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, you know, there might be exception. And, uh, you know, so really get off auto mode. And uh, maybe if he really wants to, to get good shots here, uh, maybe get a second lens. Get get that 50-millimeter F1.8 or something, uh, you know, he's, and uh, shoot existing light only. And uh, that, that's the best way in, in that situation is, just, you know, get, get unhooked from the flash. And, uh, you know, wedding photographers, when I did weddings, uh, you know, we put the flash on a bracket. It raises it up so it changes the angle of the reflection. Therefore, there's still red eyes. It's not going into your camera anymore. It's going below your camera. Yep. Uh, so if you have to use a flash, put it up on a bracket. And, and Nicole, I got to apologize to you. I, I said that you knew about this Canon T3i. You actually, I had in my brain that you wrote a book on this. You actually wrote a book on the Canon 60D. Right. Six, so. I wrote I wrote books on the 60D and the 7D, nice. but I've never written one on a Rebel before. Got it. Got it. So those are both from those are Peach Pits from Snapshots to Great Shot series, right? Yes. Yeah. So if folks want to check those out, just Google Nicole Young and your camera on <laughs> Amazon or whatever, or search it on Amazon. You'll find it. Um, all right. Let's move on to the next one, um, Dan. I'm going to throw this to this one to you. Okay. Um, it's from Martin Baker. It's about auto ISO. And he says, what are your, basically, what are your thoughts on auto ISO? First of all, define what auto ISO is for the people that may not know about it. And then tell us what you think about it. Sure. Uh, ISO, the international standards organization, I believe it is, um, formerly ASA, if you shot from film, uh, it's just the sensitivity of your sensor and how much light it takes in. So us portrait people like 100 or 200 ISO, but if you're shooting uh, indoors, low light, let's say this guy at his performance on the stage, you know, you might be 1,200 or more. Um, I, I've tried auto ISO a few times just in situations where I don't feel like messing with it if I've, let's say, got a stage. Sometimes the spotlights come on, sometimes they don't. Um, I've found that the cameras I've tried auto ISO, they generally stay pretty high. And um, that means you're going to get some grain and some noise. Mm-hmm. But... That could be better, and there's noise resolu- better than using getting red eye, um, and getting a harsh flash, and all the issues that come with flash. But it could also be um, easy to fix with a lot of noise reduction. So I, I, I tell people, you know, we could they come to the studio. I have a lot of uh, our clients that have these TIs and little cameras, and they want to learn it better. And I, you know, explain everything to them and let them know to try and learn to shoot manual or at least in one of the aperture priority modes or shutter priority, but. Worst case, just to get going, set it on auto, set auto ISO, and just learn how to shoot and understand what's going on first as, as far as the image, and then then come back and then get out of that auto ISO mode once you learn more about, you know, let's say I'm shooting downtown in the city with some buildings, it's kind of cloudy, all right, I might want to go up to about 400. Um, it's a super sunny day, I can bring it down to 100. You know, once or twice you start doing that, you'll know exactly where to set it and you don't have to use auto. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, the, the, it just boils down to understanding your gear. You know, it's, I think 
for me, it's it's and I, I say this all the time. It's okay to use the the different modes on Absolutely. your camera as long as you know what they're doing. You know, don't don't just turn put it in a particular mode because hey, last time I used this, I got a pretty good shot of my kid. You know, I'm going to use this all the time. There's no now. shame in program mode. Yeah, right. you, if if it makes sense to use program for that particular situation, you know, it's a mixed lighting situation. You don't want to use the brain cells. You just want a decent shot. Put it in program. You know, get, get the you shot. know a tip for it. program mode? At least I know for Canon cameras. If you put it in program mode, you, you set your shot and you get your exposure. You can usually dial it one way or the other, like to change the exposure, you know, because oh, it's, awesome. it's going to kind of shift. Like if you're like at... Um, F8 at uh, one, I don't know, one thousandth of a second, yeah. and you want it to go down to 2.8, you just dial it down, and as long as your shutter speed is still handheldable, handholdable, <laughs> then um, you're good to go. So you don't stop. You're making up all kinds of words in this show, I, Nicole. I know. I'm the queen of making up words today. And it won't, it won't pop the flash either if you have one. Yeah, program mode does not automatic automate your flash as far as I know. I think it's just those green squares and whatever the Nike equivalent yeah. is. Yeah. Hey, there's there is one thing I wanted to add about auto ISO though that if your camera allows you to cap it, which more and more cameras right. do now, yep. where you can set the high end. So then, uh, you know, t- to Dan's point, just set the high end to the ISO that you're comfortable with, so that you never have to worry about. So if you think that your camera is great up to sixteen hundred, just cap it at sixteen hundred, or if you're more conservative, eight hundred, whatever feels good to you. Then you can use auto ISO and not worry about it uh, spiking up at the high end. And in that case, then, it, it becomes a pretty good tool for the default mode. In other words, you just turn it on. You need to grab a quick shot. It can be really good. And then if you need to fine-tune it uh, you know, for the shoot, then when you have more time, you can do that. Yep. I actually really like auto ISO for certain situations. Um, when I'm when I'm photographing food or landscapes or anywhere where I'm either on a tripod or I have a controlled lighting situation, I will keep my ISO as low as I possibly can. But when I'm, um, I don't know, at a, let's say a conference and I just have my Canon with a 50 millimeter lens and I want to make sure I'm getting photographs at a specific uh, maybe depth of field, I usually go with uh, aperture priority, so you know, set so I get yep. a nice blur in the background, and then I'll throw it on auto ISO, so that way I know that I'm not going to. I'd rather have a sharp image than a blurry image. I you know, like I'd rather have a sharp image. I, of I, I've been uh, maybe I'm old school or whatever, but I've just I'm from the from the mind of the school of thought that you set your ISO based on your lighting conditions and then you mess with your f-stop and shutter speed you know and that's <laughs> that's that's what i've been i haven't i have the ability to go I, auto iso and, and manipulate it i just haven't used it i, I think i need to use it <laughs> do, do it, it. You know, do it. An auto white balance you couldn't do that with film that is one thing you could not do with film yep. you'd have to change your film to change your iso exactly maybe that's where it's coming from because yeah. yeah. my my auto iso was a separate camera bag filled with different Film stuff, or like, or like, from, from twenty five up to sixteen hundred or thirty two hundred. Yeah. You know? Did you ever do the okay? I've, 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 I'm like twelve frames into this, and then you roll it all the way back, but not so you still have that tongue of the the thing sticking out. Yep. And then you switch your film, and then you go back to that roll, yes. and then you roll it forward, <laughs> and you know twelve or thirteen or fourteen frames in, and then you continue with it. Yep. That's old school, right? That's there. old school. Hey, <laughs> old school or is loading just... your own film canisters, That's Nicole. A good point. <laughs> Or you just push it when you develop it. Blind, having to do it blind. Wow, look at that. See, real photography. That's what we're talking about <laughs> right now. It's this week in photo. All right, guys, let's let's move on. Let's uh, kind of close the show out. This is uh, time for the pick of the week segment, which a lot of folks really, really look forward to. 
Um, this is you guys. Our guests can pick anything as long as it's somehow photography related. Dan, I'm going to throw it to you first since you uh, you haven't been on in a while. What's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is uh, a book from Matt Klaskowski. Uh, also with our favorite publisher, Peach Pit, uh, Photoshop Compositing Secrets, unlocking the key to perfect selections and amazing Photoshop effects for totally realistic composites. Well, it's quite a title. Um, really nice job on this book. Um, I've met Matt and uh, talked to him about this, and we've emailed. It's, it's, it's really well done. Um, you can even say I think it's got like 64 and 5-star reviews. But if we do this a lot in the studio... And I had been doing it for years, but it has kind of fixed a few of the little areas, uh, refining edges and just some selection issues that that I was having, uh, especially shadows, the kind of the the key, you know, one of the key things with compositing. Um, so it helped us kind of get to that next level. And we're now offering this as a technique for our high school seniors. Oh, cool. Uh, where I've got so many just city shots and just cool areas and things that I think are cool. And now I'm shooting on a, a gray background and I'm putting, um, you know, like for instance, if you go to our website, there's one with the kidneys. He, we shot him here in studio on a gray paper and then put him over some L tracks, uh, some uh, train tracks in Chicago. And um, it was really cool. So I would recommend anybody wants to go to that next level of compositing, check out Matt's book. And there is a link do we get a link? Just uh, yep, we'll put a link yep, in the show notes. Got it on there. Yeah, yeah I, it's called I the book is called was... Photoshop Cons- Compositing, right? By Photoshop Matt Klauskowski. Matt Klauskowski. Yes, cool. Let's check up on Amazon. Very cool. All right, Nicole Young, what's your what's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick kind of goes along with a lot of the discussion from today. Is Jealous Skins, and it's G E L A S K I N S dot com. And what they are are skins, you know, like adhesive skins for either laptops or tablets, uh, ebooks, or not ebooks, um, e-readers. Yeah, any, any electronic device, phones, yeah, iPods, really laptops, TV tablets, TV. all that stuff, right? But so I, um, I just actually, it's on my mind because I just bought a new one for my. I have one that I don't like, and it's my, actually my photograph on it. But I have yep. one that I, I just want to replace with a new one. But the cool thing is, if you have a photo, you can actually put your own photograph on it. You don't have to use their templates or the art that they have. Um, they do have some absolutely beautiful art. I actually didn't pick. Uh, I picked one of the pre-made ones on the site. It's uh, if anyone's curious, it, it's called Sanctuary. If you guys want to see which what my laptop's going to look like, but uh, you can put your own photo on it, which actually is is a really fun thing to do. And they're um, they're really great because they protect the back of your laptop. I had um, a, or anything they really they protect it. They they peel off without um, leaving any residue. Yeah. Um, I've I had one on my laptop that I ended up selling, and it looked like brand new practically on the top of that thing when I peeled it off. So they're great. They're beautiful. And they're like, I think for the one I got, it was like $30 for the laptop skin. That's really cool. And for me, I, I like jello skins too, because, you know, I, on my, my, um, my MacBook Air or my my Air, I have a, a case on. It's like a hard, like a kind of a semi hard shell case. It's called Incipio, but it it's kind of you know it protects that. So when when I do convert it to the Retina display version, it'll be ready to go. But the on my phone, I use the Jelliskin because I love the design of the iPhone. You know, and I have yet to find a case that doesn't 
completely destroy the design of the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> so what Jelliskin does, it just lays right on top of it, right? So you still have the design of the iPhone, but then you have custom customized art on there. So you get the best of both, wor- both worlds. So I love that. Perfect. Perfect pick of the week, Nicole. Why, thank you. All right. Uh, and Derek Story, what is your pick of the week? I, I got to go with the MacBook Pro Retina display. I, I think it's the <laughs> That's most cheating, ex- Derek. That's cheating. No, it's not. <laughs> I think it's the most uh, it's most excited I've been about a computer in a long time. So you're, I take it you're getting it. Oh yeah, it's ordered. Oh, oh yeah, it's just <laughs> definitely. Awesome. It's, you know, because you know how these things go. If you if you wait, then the, the stretches out the delivery time yep. as people uh, f- figure out that they want it. But I think for a photographer like myself that's on the road a lot and but yet needs horsepower to do Final Cut and all that other stuff, it's um, just an amazing machine. Awesome. The new MacBook Pro 15-inch Retina display model. Very yes. cool. Much different than the other 15-inch. What do you mean? There's another 15-inch. There's two 15-inches, right? Yes, yeah. So they have yeah. the, the older one that is non-retina display and a retina display model. Yeah, but they – I mean there's a revised – a 15-inch that's not the retina display. That's also the thick one with the um, basically the older technology. Does so the that, older one, the non-retina display model one, have the dual Thunderbolt ports on it? It does. Awesome. It does. Very so you cool. can go old school and still have your Thunderbolt. Yes. Awesome. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm going to resist that, Derek. I know. <laughs> I'm going to resist. I'm going to wait until the air retina display version comes out and that's what i'm getting I'm gonna hold i know on. the only problem i have to tell you i love the air i have an air myself and i i adore it the problem is is that it do, it only has the in, until they put that other graphics card in there for the heavy duty stuff it's just not going to be the same yeah i'm just telling you now frederick i know but see my my workflow i don't want you to unfairly blaming lightroom for i will second. blame you i will blame you but i you know my desktop machine the one i'm using right now for podcasting and this sort of stuff is an imac so i do all this stuff on the imac and then my portable stuff, like I'm camped out in Starbucks or whatever, happens on the air. You know? yeah. And that's, the air that's is my flow. It's absolutely, I agree with you. It's a beautiful machine. I love it. I love it. All right. And my pick of the week, I'm also cheating like Derek, is from Apple. It's um, Aperture. Strangely enough, it is Aperture. $79 from Apple. Um, you can check it out at apple.com slash Aperture. And I have to pick it. I feel like I had to pick it because it is... Finally, they put, you know, they, they, they made some updates to this particular application that are relevant to photographers and it impacts a wide variety of people out there that are doing photography. So it is that is my pick of the week. So check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes to it. If you're, you know, you're at a computer now, you want to type it in, just go to apple.com slash aperture or just search for aperture on Google. You'll find it. But um, go through their site and look at some of the videos and all the cool stuff about what aperture does. And I think it's really cool. It is. It's it's really good. Yeah. I mean I mean it's from really my good. you know, I don't I don't have any immediate plans to switch away from Lightroom right now, but I'm certain I may buy Aperture just to play around with it to see because I don't want to I'm not gonna be the ostrich, right? I'm not gonna have my head in the sand because hey, you know, I'm Lightroom all the time. It's all about for me, it's all about photography. If app if aperture turns out to be the better tool to get me where I want to go, I'm gonna use it. You know, I mean I don't I have no loyalties to <laughs> to using one application over another. So I'm gonna I'll it's seventy nine dollars is nothing. So I can buy it 
you know, relatively speaking. I can buy it from the app store. I'm going to play with it. And if I fall in love with it, I'll use it. I'll implement it into my daily workflow. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing about all this stuff is we have the flexibility to try it. You know, you can try it and not make, make, you know, sort of myopic uninformed decisions about what your, your digital asset management application of choice is going to be. You can make informed decisions. So, well, you know, you know, Frederick, you know, you, you know, Lightroom already runs off a reference library, right? Yeah. So you, you have all your, all you have to do is just point aperture to it and run aperture and reference library mode. It won't, it won't touch your masters at all. You can play with any of the shots you already have in Lightroom in aperture uh, and it's it's the only overhead for your computer will be just the previews it generates. That's cool. And I can yeah, let them generate so you, overnight, right? I can import the library or import that folder hierarchy yeah. and go to bed and let it just crank overnight, right? Yeah, I, it'll just generate the previews and it'll be ready uh, ready for you. And then you can play away and really get to compare the two uh, with really you know no transition investment at all. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to play with it. You know, right after the show, after I finish all the the magic for Twip, I'm going to curl up with my MacBook Air and watch the keynote for the WWDC and see what I've missed. You know, I'm excited for Aperture. I'm actually going to I'm I'm going to be downloading it as well. I need to use it to show for my book. I need to show how to use on one software through Aperture. So, and I'm so happy. It's so inexpensive in comparison. You know, I use Lightroom. I'm an avid Lightroom user. I love it. I use Photoshop. They all kind of integrate, but it's kind of exciting that, you know, to try a new, um, and I've, I've used it in the past, you know, several years back, but yeah, they've totally. really enhanced it. So I'm excited. And I would, I would, you know, I just, I, I want to stress that to the, the people that are listening, that are listening to the show, you know, don't get so emotionally attached to hardware or software or whatever. Keep in mind that this is all about photography, capturing light, you know, and making cool imagery. The stuff that lets you do that is ancillary, you know. So it's not a religious sort of tenet that oh, I have to use Lightroom or else I'm cheating. You know, <laughs> use whatever works for you. You know, and if something cool comes out from a competing, there's some smart people at Apple apparently. You know, they're making some cool <laughs> stuff. If they come out with something that is really cool, try it first, and then if you don't like it, then use something else. You know, and if Lightroom, if Apple does or Adobe does the same thing. Try it. If it's if it fits, if it does what you need to do, use it. But don't don't tie yourself down because of you know some sort of faux loyalty. You know, it's just it doesn't make sense. Cool. All right, guys, we're we're at the end of this week in photo. This episode, we're at episode two fifty nine now. Derek's story. Where can people go to find out more about you and your antics? Uh, my antics run through. <laughs> As exciting as they may be, uh, run through thedigitalstory.com. And uh, everything is there, including now, Frederick, you'd be so proud of me. A uh, link to my Pinterest. I started a Pinterest Look page. at you. Progressive. I did. Wow. I did. I did. I did. You know, I, I saw that come through, what was it, a day or so ago. I saw yeah. you You uh, followed my boards on Pinterest. So I did. I, I was did. Like, Look I at did. Derek. I know. <laughs> Go on, boy. <laughs> Very cool. Congratulations. Thank Welcome you, to the real. Thank you much. Thank you much. All right. Dan Ablin, where can people go to find out more about you? Easiest way is about.me slash Dan Ablin. And uh, that links to all the sites, to everything. Very cool. All right. About.me slash Dan Ablin, A-B-L-A-N. And yeah. Nicole Young, Nicole S. Young, also known as Nicole Z. Where can people go <laughs> to find out more about you? Um, I'll just give my blog because... 
that has links to everything. It's nicolesyblog.com. It's spelled N-I-C-O-L-E-S-Y blog. And, you know, Derek, you just made me realize I need to add my Pinterest link to my do blog it. because I've just recently become inspired to do Pinterest more. So I'm really I, like I've been it's, it's so addicting. I think I, I think I'm following uh, some of your boards, actually. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I need to. Um, I've been really building it and adding things. And it's it's a very um, organic process. I don't want to just fill it with fluff. But yeah, totally. So I'm I'm kind of filling it to a point, and then I'll kind of let everyone know. Hey, if you want to follow my board, but it, it'll be there in a couple of days that I need to awesome. add a little button along with it. I'm having more fun with it than I thought. I have yes, to be. I know. Same yeah. here. I think yeah. I my my sister told me about it months ago, yeah. and I should have listened yeah. to her. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that, I mean, it, it, it's it's bittersweet again, right? Because there's like these cool services like Pinterest that are reimagining how social networking and sharing should work. But then there's another. This it's another social network yeah. <laughs> that we have to keep up with. Yeah. Google Plus is awesome. Now there's Pinterest, you know, and you know Google Plus is still awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love okay. Google Plus. You know, it's awesome. But it, there's like all this stuff, and then there at some point photography needs to occur. It's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. All right, cool. Or or some point sleep needs to occur. Or the, sleep. The, yeah. Or you know maybe dinner with a significant other or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's where I'm going right now. Let's go. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, so Derek can get to his dinner. Um, if you want to keep up with everything in the This Week in Photo universe, you can just check us out on thisweekinphoto.com. Also, you can support the show by leaving us a comment, constructive criticism only, on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with our shows as soon as they are released. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me and my various projects at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.